Welcome to another episode of You See Me But You Don't Know podcast, where we allow celebrities and athletes to tell their story their way. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. I'm here today with my guy, Isaiah Standback, Super Bowl champ, NFL legend, <laughs> gems, everything else. Welcome, my brother. Appreciate it, bro. Welcome, Appreciate welcome. It. So, man, tell me about Isaiah, uh, who Isaiah is. Man, ah, uh, see, cat man group. <laughs> take you back to the old school. Yes, uh, sir, take man. you back. Born and raised in Seattle. Okay. Central District of Seattle. It used to be the hood. It's not the hood no more. Okay. Uh, but it used to be the hood. Uh, kind of grew up in two different households, though. I lived primarily with my mom. Okay. With my dad's every other weekend. They were separated from as early as I can ever remember. Wow. So, okay. Um, Kind of had that dichotomy growing up, right? So Pops was, uh, he ended up remarrying. So I would see him every other weekend. He was like super involved with the church, running the, you know, the yeah. the singles ministry there and, you yeah. know, almost okay. a minister type deal. So I go to his house and it was like, you know, hey, you know, we're not listening to this type of music. We're not watching this <laughs> on TV. Like it was super strict. Yeah. And then I go to my mom's house and it was just, you know, my mom had three kids and they were all by different dads. And she was just the the the, the prototypical inner city single mother, gotcha. you know, um, that she's just hustling, grinding, doing whatever she had to do. Um, and but I was in the hood, you know. So you know, moms would pick me up listening to Tupac and everything else. <laughs> it was just two different worlds. Um, but I hold the highest regard for both of them. Right, um, right. Uh, needed to stay off the streets. Okay. Um, had an older brother, and older sister, but they were nine and ten years older than me. Wow. So my sister was nine years older than me. My brother was 10 years older than me. They both were in sports. Um, my sister was basketball, um, but she was really more so more so artsy. Okay. So she ended up going to college for um, design. Right? Okay. Uh, clothing okay. design, all that kind of stuff. My brother was a star athlete. My brother was basketball and track. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was that dude. So okay. um, he ended up going to University of Oregon on a hurdle, on a 110 hurdle scholarship. Oh, wow. So he was dope. He was he was that dude. But they were both gone. You know what I'm saying? So it was primarily my, myself and my mom. Okay. So okay. Um, just growing up in that, in that area, man, you know, all the d other distractions that you obviously get involved with, you know, drugs, right. gangs, all that jazz, anything that could take you off your path. Right. And you had to make a decision early on what you really wanted to attain okay. in life. And you know, a lot of guys, like, like a lot of guys in the hood, your main thing is you want to get out that area. Yes. You want to get out that area. You want to get your people out that area. Um, so whatever is required of you to do that, You're that's what you need it. to lock your focus in on. Gotcha. So sports gotcha. was my outlet. Okay. Um, so from the age of six, I, I was playing baseball. That was my thing. Right? I was a baseball dude. Wow. So baseball, basketball, track. Those were my, those are, that's kind of the trifecta right okay. there. Okay. And um, so that early on, that was my, that was my thing. I kind of just, if I wasn't doing school, I was in sports. If I wasn't doing sports, I was at the Boys and Girls Club. So that was kind of my little wow. triangle right there. You know, okay. you do your homework at the Boys and Girls Club. Right. You do your, you got practice and then you're, you're at the crib. You know, like those are your, if, wow. you're, if you're not there, I don't know where you're at. You know, you, okay. you better have your butt in the house. You know, <laughs> streetlights come on. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, that was it, man. That's kind of, that's kind of how it started. Now, high school, you went to Garfield. Yes, sir. High school. And Basketball, yeah. football, and baseball. Correct. So you just, it yeah. was just balling out. Yeah, absolutely. It was what it was. It was what it was. Okay. Yeah, so those are, the okay. th those are the three sports primarily. I hadn't touched a football until my eighth grade year. 
So eighth grade was my first time touching an organized football. Okay. And I was street ball all the time. You know, pole to pole, yes. with touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, you get bumped up against the car that's out of that's bounds. Awesome. You know, so, you know, oh, yeah. school. Oh, yeah. across the street from me was uh, one of my good friends named Omar. Okay. And Omar, Omar's, come to find out later on, you know, I thought they just had nice cars and all that stuff. <laughs> but Omar's fam, they was, they was trapping. Oh, you know, yeah, so... Wow. Um, but like you said, that's that was what that was the environment I was yeah, in. I didn't know any different, right? It wasn't um, appalling to me. It wasn't right. necessarily dangerous to me. Um, you know, that just is what it was. That was my neighbors, yes. right? And Omar yes. was my boy. I know his little cousin Dion was crazy. You know, so it's like <laughs> little Dion. Don't mess with Dion. That boy will fight you in a heartbeat. And then he had uncles, and his uncles was driving the Escalades and all that stuff, and they were they were into some stuff that right. they probably shouldn't have been into. Every so often, we have some drive-bys and some stuff like that, but that was just the, that was it. You know, you didn't think nothing of it. Um, so I remember one time we were playing street ball, and Omar was like, I got to go to practice. And I was like, go to practice for what? And I got football practice, and there was a park named Juckins Park that was okay. three blocks from the crib. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to follow you. I don't have nothing to do, so I followed those guys over to practice, and I sat at the top of the hill because Seattle has a lot of hills, right? Okay. So I'm sitting at the top of the hill. They go down the hill to go to practice, and I'm watching them practice football. And I remember one of the coaches calling me down and be like, hey, man, like, um, you know, why aren't you playing? Why, aren't you, why are you just watching? Why aren't you playing? I was like, well, you know, my, my, at the time, I'm my dad's only kid. And my dad got hurt in football back in high school. So he wasn't necessarily the most the most uh, excited about me trying to play uh, play football, right. but supported me in all the other sports, right? And I was wow. really good at baseball, so it was like, why even touch a football? So he called me, coach called me down. I was like, man, why don't you go talk to your parents? I was like, well, I'll go talk to them, but I know what the answer is going right. to be, you know? Right, So wow. walked back to the crib, and I talked to my moms, um, and my mom never, her and my dad clashed okay. up, up until I graduated college. It just, they just didn't, it, it was oil, <laughs> yeah, oil and vinegar, dude. They just didn't mesh, right? From whatever wow. happened in the marriage, right? It just, right. it was just, I literally had to live two different lives. Wow. So wow. Um, I went back to my mom, and for the first time ever, my mom, I guess she knew how important that was to my dad, right? She still held him in some kind of regard, because she was like, you need to ask your dad. And I was like, I never have to ask, like, wow. why do I got to ask dad for this when you normally, right. she was like, talk to your dad. I was like, huh. So I went, called my dad, and you could hear the you know, you know reservation in his in his in his, right. in his um, voice. And I talked to him, and I've always been had a way with words, right? I should have okay. been I should have okay. been like a little Johnny Cochran back right. in the day, but <laughs> <laughs> we pretty much we pretty much got in an argument oh, about wow. it. Okay, not a disrespectful right, argument, but right, right. we got we we you know we saw it from two different ends. And I asked dad, and he was like, "Well, you're going to do what you want to do anyway." That was his. That's kind of what came of the conversation. So I was like, "Okay, cool." Got off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> that was my answer. I'm playing. I'm playing. Wow. So I went back to my mom. She's like, he said yes. He, she, I said, he said, you know, I can do whatever I want to do. So that's what I took as my answer. Wow. And I went out there, and then um, first day of practice, they let you go out and try all these different positions. And being a baseball guy, I always had a cannon. And right. I was always really fast. And, uh, of course, I go to the quarterback line and start throwing it, and I was blowing guys' chest up. I didn't know anything about touch. I just knew. Throw a ball as fast as you can, and right. I was blowing these guys up. And coach was like, "Yeah, you're you're a quarterback." <laughs> um, so you that pulled, was <laughs> you pulled the Brett Favre style. Out. Absolutely, okay. absolutely, okay. dislocating fingers and everything. Wow. So, yeah, that was me at 13. So that was my wow. first time touching a football. But again, before that, I had track, baseball, and basketball. So I ended up going in high school. I ended up doing all four. Wow, and, and you know what's crazy is we have a similarity there because my pops, pastor, mm. 
did. I mean, church yeah. was church. Church was church, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Everything else, nothing else mattered, yeah. right? And I remember he told me, we. he stopped my brother from playing in sixth grade. Okay. I had been playing since Pee Wee. Yeah. And he came to me. I was a sophomore. Yeah. He was like, you can't play football anymore. Mm. <laughs> I was like, watch me. <laughs> okay, I feared this man. Absolutely. But I'm like- But you love that sport. Okay, I'm still, I'm playing. Uh -huh. And now you're going to try to tell me to I stop? Yeah. I was like, dude, come on, man. Yeah. But my brother, he did stop him. Gotcha. But me, I was like, no, nah, dude, nah. try. Nah. Because it's, <laughs> it's going to be on and popping. Yeah. I mean, if I got to fight you today yeah, it's gonna be. for me to play, then that's what's going to happen. That's that passion, though. Right. That's that but, passion. But it's, it's funny that your pops just, I mean, you know, yeah, which, no. which is crazy. Yeah, he wasn't having it, man. So, I mean, that was my eighth grade year. So okay. going into high school... You know, I actually obviously had some success in eighth grade, okay? just playing hood. You know, it was right. we, were, we, were, we were the CD Panthers, if that gives CD you any Panthers. kind of answer. Yeah. Central <laughs> District Panthers, right? We were playing the South End cast. It was, it was hood, okay? And and let you know what kind of money I was growing up with. You know, we didn't have the funds for all the top-of-the-line equipment. I mean, yeah. Let's say that, okay? Yeah. I remember going to a place called Big Five Sporting Goods, and my mom bought me some rib pads because she was like, what you're not going to do is, is get hurt. <laughs> So when we went, I needed some tights. This is Seattle, right? This is cold, rainy, muddy. I needed some tights. But mom's like, we ain't got no tight money. So she took me to Walgreens and got me some stockings. <laughs> and I, I remember specifically being in the game and getting tackled and having a dog on run in my stocking. <laughs> Most embarrassing thing what? ever. Yeah, terrible. Oh, so, man. Uh, hey, at least they were black. Stockings. They were black. Okay, they were black. Okay, okay we but, good. But we, as, as I went to high school, I'm thinking I'm going to continue to play all four sports. And mom's wow. told me, she was like, you're not playing football your freshman year. I was like, huh? She was like, you got to show me that you can do school first. Okay. So okay. from get-go, I was allowed my, my, my freshman year in high school to play baseball and basketball, but I wasn't allowed to play football. Wow. Yep. And that's when the coaches start knowing who you are. Mm -hmm. Is that Well, now they start knowing who yeah, you are early. fifth grade. Yeah, you know yeah, what exactly. I mean? It's just like, come on. Yeah. But wow. Yeah, so, so you missed a year of football. Wow. Right after I had just started. Wow. So that was, but I had to prove it. And I was like, okay, mom. You don't question moms, so no. Yeah, so I was like, okay, that's what it is. So I had to show, I had to prove to my mom that I can get the grades. I love it. Yep. Because she she was looking at that foundation. Correct. Okay. And Mike Bobino, you know Mike yep. Bobino. Yeah. So Mike Bobino, we were in Taos. Okay. Doing a camp with Kelly. Okay. And Bobby Taylor and Dimitri. Yep. And Bobino told those kids, if you are a C student in school. And an A student on the football field, yeah, it's not gonna work. Yeah. Your mom already knew yeah, the she value had of that. Yep. Wow, I like it. So, I like um, it. That was that, man. So that was just the transition into high school. Uh, I played basketball my whole life. I played with a lot of really good basketball players, guys who were very successful in high school, college, and in, in pro ball. Okay. Um, so a lot of competition growing up. A lot right. of inner city competition. Um, guys like. Aaron Brooks played okay. for Oregon, played right. for the Houston Rockets and all that. Um, Nate Robinson, we yep. grew up together. Actually, myself, Nate, and Aaron, we set a national record at 4 by 100 meters at eight years old. 
So <laughs> that's what we grew up together. At eight? At eight, yeah. We was rolling. Wow. We was rolling. Um, wow. I need that film. I don't know where it's at. <laughs> uh, but then and then Brandon Roy. So I grew up around a lot of really good basketball players because in Seattle, everybody was in the gym. Exactly. Ain't nobody outside playing no sports. It's too cold. It's too cold and too wow. rainy. Wow. So um, grew up with, around a lot of competition. So that drive was already there. Okay. Right? You know what I'm saying? Not only just from the household and my neighborhood and all that, but also just a culture of competition was just embedded in you. And it's either right. you're going to step up or you're going to get embarrassed. One of the two. Wow. So, didn't matter what sport. I'm telling you, man, I love it because I was I was reading a little bit and I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, Isaiah was balling. You, you, you're playing four sports yeah. and good at all of them. Yeah. What drove you to football only? Even though yeah. you were awesome in baseball. Correct. Basketball, track, what drove you to, what was the deciding factor in football? Well, basketball, I, was, I wasn't going to be good enough. Okay. I was, I, was like the, I was like Dennis Rodman, <laughs> right? I just, <laughs> I was the defender without the height, right? I was a uh, six foot three center, that wasn't going to work. Um, right. But I was hustle man. So I used that as a breaking, a breaking up my sport. Okay. Um, track, probably could have did track, but obviously they weren't giving out full track scholarships like that. Unless okay. you were like my brother who was just killing it. Okay. Um, so it really came down to baseball and football. So baseball, I was really good. And I had to make a decision my senior season in high school because I was getting my, I remember my basketball coach actually, who was the athletic director for the school, took me to a workout for the Mariners, right? Oh, and the Mariners, okay. they had a triple A, Tacoma Rainier, is about 30, about 45 minutes south of the city. Went to a workout, open call, and I showed out. Um, wow. not, on, not only that, prior to that, I had been going on travel teams and all that, right? Teams were paying for me my way to go travel, to go play in Arizona, go play in LA. So I, I mean, by the time I was my senior year, I had already played in Dodger Stadium, played at you know Arizona State, right. played all these places, right? To get all this exposure. Scouts were talking to me since the time I was 13 in baseball. Wow. So baseball was my thing. Like I could wake up and play baseball in my sleep. I loved it, right? And I thought I was King wow. Griffey Jr. Okay. So, okay. Okay. Um, all right. So baseball, as I started getting closer to being a senior in high school, uh, they started hitting me up. Scouts started talking to me. Went to the went to that workout, showed out, had follow up workouts, and then I ended up getting into invited to another workout, which I didn't really know the severity and the importance of it at the time. But it was the last call workout that teams have right before the draft. Oh wow! And again, I'm just like you know, I'm told, hey, you know, there's a workout. You want to come to it? I'm like, All right, cool. So I went in there, I got my old Navy sweats on, got my do-rag on, and these other cats is all fitted up, got all the gear, bags, names on it, right? You know, and I'm just a hood right. cat walking in with the right. do-rag on, and I went out there, and it was at Safeco Field. I remember they had just built Safeco Field um, back in Seattle, and there was probably about 20 guys, wow. and it was invite only. Wow. And I find out after that this was the invite only right before the draft. So top players that the Mariners were looking at, all that jazz. I had no idea. Wow. I just go in there's another opportunity to compete. Right. And my first time ever swinging a wooden bat. Like, you know what I'm saying? I didn't yeah. have access to all this stuff. Um, but following wow. that, draft, draft day's coming up. I had already made my commitment to go to University of Washington to play okay. football. Um, and I get a phone call while I'm driving. And while I'm driving, I get the call. And dude says who he was. He was with the Seattle Mariners, blase, blase. So I remember pulling over. I was like, okay, you know, how can I help you? He was like, well... You know, we're about to take you in the first round of the of the draft. I was like, "Whoa, um, okay." But I got, I'm gonna. <laughs> I was like, "That's cool," <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, I, what about my college? That was my first question. I'm like, what about college? Like, I've already committed to University of Washington, and he was like, and he laughed. He literally laughed at me. He was like, "Son, 
<laughs> we're about to give you a bunch of money. There is no college. Wow. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I, I can't do it. And he was like, you want to go talk to your parents about this? I was like, no, I mean, I've already committed. So I can't, I can't decommit from, wow. you know, college. Like that's where I'm going. Right. So he was like, you sure? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so that was the hardest, easiest decision I had to make because I was far better in baseball than I was in, in, in football. Wow. And I had more love for, for, for baseball than I did for football. But I had already made a commitment I get to football. Right. And I made a commitment to my moms and everybody else that I was going to go to college. Okay. So um, that was hard, having to turn down baseball. Wow. Um, that was very difficult. And, you know, what is that like for an 18-year-old? Shoot, to, 17. To 17. To, <laughs> yeah. To have that. Yeah. You want to talk about a, a decision, yeah. a path, or, you know, that's a make or break you. Yeah, it was. Path. Yep. Yeah, wow. It was, it was tough. It was very tough. But, I mean, I didn't need to consult my parents for that. I didn't need to consult anybody. I, same thing with my decision to go to college. I, I asked people's opinions. Right. But when it came time to make the decision, the decision was all on me. Okay. Um. So baseball, that was a fork in the road for myself right. in baseball. I still went on to try playing my, my freshman year at the University of Washington. Okay. I was actually laughing. I had a picture <laughs> of it. Somebody sent it to me, I think, on Facebook about a month ago. And it was just a picture of this whole baseball team. And then it's just one little, one little speck of me in there. <laughs> and they didn't, nobody looked like me, right? But it was funny because I'm the only one who had on a football, who did had a football photo on the baseball roster. But it was wow. just interesting because it's like that's when I got to college, baseball wasn't fun anymore. Like you know what I'm saying? Like okay. it, it wasn't fun anymore. Um, my passion started going away. My schedule was absolutely insane. I started right. getting depressed. So, like I started changing as a person, wow. and I was like, "It's time for me to hang them up." Okay. And I was like, I, it, "That was a hard decision, but an easy decision." Because I was like, "It it sucks that oh that's it, it sucks that um I have to hang up the thing that I love the most." Right. But the love was gone. You know okay. what I'm saying? The love was gone. So right. I shut that down. And then from that point forward, it was all it was all football. All football. Wow. Yeah. It, and you know, it, it makes me go back to your mom. Yeah. You made a decision like that based off of how you were brought up. Yeah. That foundation Correct. that you had. Yep. At 17. Yep. At 17, I would have been like, <laughs> give me the bread. <laughs> where do I need to yeah, be? Yeah. But again, you had already committed for sure somewhere else. Yeah. So that's called character. Yeah. You you're you're gonna go, even though it's millions over mm -hmm. here, but you still have the talent over here yeah. to go and ball out. Sure. You know, and and that's what and, and you know it's funny. I didn't even know until I went back and started going over stuff. Yeah. That you were a quarterback. I just remember yeah. you as a receiver. Yep. You see what I mean? Yep. And it's just like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, that was oh, a whole nother thing. Now that you <laughs> that was a whole nother thing wow. right there. Yeah. Wow. So, so talk about going to UW. Yeah. So I ended up deciding on University of Washington. Um, I did not want to stay home. Mm. That was that's number one. I did not want to stay home. I wanted to get away. I wanted to get out of my my environment that I was okay. in. Um, I always had a vision of playing baseball at the University of Arizona. Okay. That okay. was always my vision. Um, University of Arizona, Arizona State, both of those schools were highly uh, respected in terms yes. of baseball. Yep. So being a baseball guy, I was like, that's where I'm, that's where I'm going. Never got recruited by University of Arizona. 
<laughs> University of Arizona never recruited me. Arizona State recruited me very hard. So Arizona State was wow. in my top recruit uh, recruiting class. I don't guess you know schools ever trying to recruit me. University of Southern California, okay. USC. That's when they were on top of the world. Yes, they were recruiting me very hard. Okay, and that really turned up. My mom saved up some bread and sent me to it. They had a camp. They had a summer camp. This is before summer camps were very popular like they are now. Okay. Every school has one now. Right. But at the time, USC was on top of the world, and they ran a camp, and everybody wanted to go to it, right, because of the exposure. Right. You know, you remember the rivals listings yes, and all that? Yes, I wasn't yes. anywhere on that scale at the time, right, because nobody's coming to Seattle to watch football. Right. So went down there to the rivals camp, and at the time, they had all the top cats there, the top receivers, top running backs, top quarterbacks. All these guys were down there. I didn't care. You know, I was like, I'm here to compete. So my mom saved up the bread. We didn't have it, but she she made it happen. Right. Sent me there, and I went to the camp and bought out. I literally just went down there and bought out, wearing the same do-rag that I had on, all that, <laughs> right? <laughs> just went down there and took care of business. And I, re- I remember a couple things uh, specifically. I think Trent Edwards was at the camp. And there was a couple other quarterbacks that were highly, you know, high recruited, highly recruited guys, blue chippers, top okay. five quarterbacks in the nation. Um, and I remember Coach Chow, Norm Chow was an yeah. offensive coordinator back in the day. He asked me to stay after practice one day, after camp practice, right. okay? And he wanted me to throw. Like, okay, cool, let's throw. I threw a couple passes. And after that, he was like, oh, why don't you go out the receiver? And I remember that specifically. I'm like, he's not asking anybody else to do that, right? So that stuck out in my head. Right. So that that was one of those things. I always had awareness, right? I always had a keen sense of things, right? So I just put it in my put it in my little pocket. It was like, okay, I remember. Yeah. I mean, remember this later on. Next day, I go out there, ball out again. They stop me in the middle of camp. Somebody comes up to me in the middle of camp. Is like, hey, come here. Let me let me talk to you real quick. There's some some of the coaches want to talk to you. Like, okay, cool. So they walk me. They walk me off off the field, out the gates, into the office building. I'm like, where the heck are we going? Like, I'm literally wow. in cleats. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they walk me up there. And they walk me into a room, and it's the it's the last supper table. I promise you, this thing, <laughs> this table was ginormous, and all the coaches in there. Okay. And they offered me a scholarship, but when they offered me a scholarship, all the coaches, all the positions said that they wanted me. Oh. Yeah. So it wasn't Coach Chow. It wasn't just him. It was, it was the quarterbacks, receivers, the DB coach, the safety. All those guys were all saying, "I want him. I want him. I want him." And I'm like, "Wow." Mm. I am an athlete, but I'm but I've been busting my butt at this quarterback thing. Exactly. Right. So again, thank you very much for the offer. Put that in my pocket. Kept doing what I need to do. Um, ended up getting MVP at that camp. From that point forward, I got scholarship offers from everywhere. Wow. They started pouring in. Right. Obviously, University of Southern California offers you. Yeah. Now everybody's oh, gonna yeah. offer you. Right. So I was starting to get letters. Um, I remember getting a letter from from University of Tennessee. Okay. I remember it because my, my dad's from Memphis. So Tennessee sparked. I was like, oh, okay, Tennessee. And you got Peyton Manning. Right, and I'm like, okay, let's go. Right. So I remember opening the thing, the, the Manila folder, right? I used, to, I used to have a whole filing cabinet. <laughs> I used to put all the, all the letters in there, all the scholarship offers, all the right. stuff. And I got a Manila folder from Tennessee, and it was thick. And I opened it up, and and I remember reading it, and it said, you know, hey, I'm we're so-and-so, so-and-so. Um, you would like to offer you a scholarship. And most cats would have been excited. I remember throwing it out. like, I don't want this crap. And the reason why I felt like that is because like, they don't know me. Hadn't even been to see you. Nothing. They don't know me. I haven't wow. talked to nobody. I haven't, like literally, and like, again, I guess that gives you a little bit of idea how my mind was different at the time because right. I'm like, most cats would have been hype, right? <laughs> most cats would have been hype. I, I felt disrespected because wow. I'm like, y'all didn't spend the time to call me. Y'all didn't spend the time to write me a handwritten letter. Y'all didn't spend the time to do anything to learn about who I am 
The y'all's first contact was, I'm going to offer you a scholarship because these other guys offer you a scholarship. Wow. So I just tossed it to the side. Wow. Oh, yeah. Everyone would have jumped at that. Yeah, I tossed it to the side. Didn't look at it again. That was, uh, was it Fulmer? Fulmer I, don't, wasn't I, I couldn't even tell you who it was. Couldn't yeah. even tell you. Wow. I, I didn't know nothing about him. <laughs> I didn't know anything about him. I knew they wore orange. That's it. That was it. That was all I knew. So I was getting a lot of scholarship offers like that. So I think my I scheduled four trips. It was University of Nevada, which okay. was they were the first school that really started recruiting me. So I was okay. going to do that out of respect. Okay. I wasn't going to go there, but I was going to do that out of respect. Gotcha. Arizona State. Okay. University of Washington, USC. Those were my four visits I had scheduled. I went to my Arizona State trip and that was Dirk Cutter. Dirk Cutter's first yes. year. Okay. Yeah. He was coming in, you know, high flying offense, all that. And he wanted me to come in and start as a as a freshman. Oh, wow. He wanted me to come in and be his guy, right? With the new regime and all that. Um, which was cool. That didn't that didn't frighten me. I knew I wasn't ready, right? right? But that didn't frighten me. Okay. Um, as long as I had somebody who was committed to help me develop. Right. The reason why I didn't go there, the guy that they hooked me up with for my recruiting visit, right? Can they always assign you a current player to take you around and show you the ropes and all that. Well, I've never drank. I've never smoked, even to this day. Never, wow. never, neither, right? So they, they knew that about me, or at least I thought they knew that about me. So we, they assigned me this guy who takes me to a house party, which I don't, they asked me what I like to do. I like to sit down and play video games. Like, this is the, who right. I was at the time. Right. They take me to a house party. All the madness is going on. Right, I'm getting offered all these girls, all these women, you know, at the party. I'm so I'm good, I'm good, chilling. I'm literally hiding out in the corner of this party. There's there's a door, and I'm in the corner trying to hide out in the darkest part of the house, trying to hide away from all this stuff because people are getting drunk, you know, going crazy, doing everything that you can imagine in there. Wow. They come and find me. They're as <laughs> they come and somehow they find me, right? And dude literally takes me out back and offers me all these girls, and I'm like, I'm good, you know, and then. We walk outside, and my host is drunk. He's done, wasted. And I'm like, at this point, I'm not having fun, right? I don't drink. I, I have alcoholism in my family. Like, the last right. thing I want to see is anybody drunk. I feel like I have to now be responsible for this person who's supposed to be watching me. Right. So we walk outside, and he's all out of it. And these guys, my hood census went up. My, <laughs> my, my Peter Parker hood census went up. <laughs> and, I, and I literally, I felt something. I looked, and there was a car that was creeping low. Creeping slow, windows, you know, windows slightly down, right? Real, just going real slow. And I'm like, ooh, I know that. I know that vibe, right? You feel that energy. So I was like, yo, and I see where they're looking. I go, you see them cast eyes, and I see them looking at the cat that I was with, my host. And I, I'm like, oh no. So I literally, I tap his teammates, right? I tap his teammates. I was like, hey, get your boy because them cats is, they're scouting them out. You know, something's about to go down. I was like, I, I was like, get him. They're like, man, forget him, man. He's always drunk. I'm like, Ooh so y'all going to leave him? Y'all aren't? Okay. And that's all I needed to see. That's all I needed to see. If you guys don't have his back off the field, what makes you think, that, what, what, makes, what confidence do I have to believe that you guys are going to have his back on the field? Exactly. That's all I needed to see. That's the reason why I didn't go to Arizona State. Wow. The rest of the visit was amazing. But that right there, that culture that was currently there, which is not right. Coach Cutter's fault. He held it against me now the whole time in the league. He would, he would not hire me. <laughs> he would not hire me. I remember one time he was coaching for Atlanta, my, my agent hit him up, and he told my agent he should have signed with me in college. That's how, long, that's how long these people hold on to stuff. What? 
Oh, bro, I, come on. I got stories on stories on that stuff. Oh, okay, how do you hold something against a 17-year-old because they made a different decision that was better for them? It's But they... <laughs> that stuff, it's crazy. So that's why I didn't go to Arizona State. One of my University of Washington visit, wow. University of Washington visit was was awesome. It was it was home. It didn't feel like a visit, right? right. Um, it was just what it was. It was cool. I, I I didn't. I wasn't necessarily hype about it because I was like, I know all this stuff. I've been to all these places. Like it was more so learning more about the culture of the school of the school and the team. My USC trip, there was three guys on the whole visit, right? Everybody wasn't getting an offer by USC at the time. It just you were hand selected, right? At that time, this is Reggie Bush. This is everybody yes, and their mom, right? Yes. Everybody's there. Yeah. So I went on my visit, and they're showing me the stadium. They're showing me the uniforms, the campus. All the stuff's amazing, right? Now USC is tucked off right in the middle of the hood, so it actually felt a little bit. It actually like my mom and stuff was worried, but I was like, "Shit, this is comfortable, right?" You know, like wow. Literally, it's the hood, and then USC's just dropped in the middle of it, right? So outside them fit, <laughs> outside them gates, you you on your own. Right, but the campus was amazing. You know, the education was on point. Like all these things were great. They're my my um, the guy who was recruiting me, Coach Wayne Moses. He was amazing. Communication was awesome. They had been to my house, all this kind of stuff. Like they've been on it. USC was checking all the boxes. They were wow. doing everything they could. Went on my visit. I took my mom, and uh, who went on my visit there? My brother went to the Arizona State trip with me. I can't remember who went on the UW visit. I know my mom was there. So we're there. There's three three recruits. Myself, two other guys. My mom's on a visit with me. Coach Carroll says what's up to me and walks past my mom. Didn't even speak. Now, I don't know if it was intentional. I don't know if he didn't know who she was. I don't, either way, that was it. That was it. My mom went off. The, my mom went off. My mom started, she, I don't know who the, you think you are. And da, da, da. I was like, oh. Okay, USC's out. USC was out. USC was out. Now they did everything from that point forward to try to make make up for it. You know, we was at the top of the stadium, put my name on there, did the whole introduction, all that kind of stuff, looking over the city. It was all it didn't didn't work. Didn't work. I'm like, you you, you disrespected moms. And I remembered what you guys had did when I was at your camp. So you couple the fact that you disrespected my mom, whether intentional or, or unintentional, wow. and your 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 quarterback coach was putting me at a different position and all your coaches wanted me at their position when there only should have been one person talking. So I put all three of those things from my memory bank into one thing and I was like, yeah, I'm not going. Wow. How, how does the head coach, I mean, because you look at, <laughs> I don't know. You, you look at the blind side. Yeah. Okay. All those coaches who wanted him were at his house mm -hmm. with his mama. Yep. Everything. Yep. I mean, offering stuff to his oh, brother. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And how does the I, head coach? I don't know. Again, he might have been zoned out or whatever. But either way, it wasn't a wow. good experience. So again, I still had those other experiences right. from the camp in the back of my head. Right. So I didn't have the full bowl of confidence that I was going to be given an opportunity to play quarterback at that university. Right. And on the flip side, University of Washington coach Rick Neuheisel at yep. the time came out and said, "This is the best quarterback in the nation." And he stood behind that statement. Yeah. No matter how people were perceiving quarterbacks that looked like me and and, and oh, performed like me at that time, um, you know, he stood behind that. So I was like, I'm going to University of Washington. Wow. Yep. And Coach Newhouse is is was a good coach. Oh yeah, he was good. 
He was, was a good, good coach. Yep, he was good. You know, but that that is crazy. So you go in, you ball out at quarterback, mm. and then you got the draft coming up. And now, mind you, you had already been. <laughs> they wanted you to play baseball. Yeah. That same year. Yeah, I got drafted. The same year. I got so drafted a um, year later. I got drafted by the Baltimore Orioles that year okay. as well. My, my last year in college. Yeah. That is. <laughs> wow. Now I have to tell you, I did. Uh, I used to be sales and marketing up in up in Baltimore. Oh, nice. And I got a chance to play at Camden. Nice. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I still got the shirt. Yep. I mean, they 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 gave us jerseys, awesome. names. I was like, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I like this, yeah. but I was not a baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> they do things was, right out there, was man. Not it's a, a good organization. Player. Wow. So, what made you not go at that point? At that point, because you had already yeah, held so up I, your commitment, right? Yeah. Why well, I already yeah fulfilled my commitment, but I I got hurt my senior year in college. I blew my foot out, so okay. I only played half of my senior season. I was on top of the world, about to be given MVP of the league, of the Pac-10, all that jazz, and then I blew my foot out. So from the time of October until draft, right? We're about to be hitting the draft now here in April. Um, I couldn't do anything. You know, I went to the, I got invited to the combine. That was awesome, um, but I couldn't do anything because I was just getting out of my second surgery that was required to, you know, rehabilitate myself. Okay. Um, my injury was going to take nine to twelve months. So oh, you wow. get you get hurt in October. It's not helping your draft status. No. <laughs> not no, helping your wow. draft status. Okay. So um, at that time, I was like, I was pretty much all in. I, I really got drafted in baseball at that time as a, hey, if you if you don't get back healthy enough for football, you know, we're, yeah, we're, gotcha. we're here. We're waiting on you. You gotcha. know, like, okay. we remember you from before. So, hey, just, just don't forget about us. Okay. So that was pretty much them just putting, say, hey, tag where, you know, you're it type of deal. Um, but yeah, I was I was working my butt off trying to get back healthy for football after okay. having gone through everything I went through in college. Um you know, battling to remain at quarterback, battling racism, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I dealt with a lot in college. And then to get to that point where I was finally trying to put my university in a positive light again and back in respectable, respectable, um, you know, rankings, um, I hurt my foot. So I just started doing rehab. I left. I, I was already done with school. I finished school in my first four years. Oh, wow. So all I had to do was literally hardly anything my, my red shirt senior year. Okay. Um, so I literally, from the time I got hurt, I started um, interviewing agents. And I found my agent, and then I found a rehabilitation facility, and I left. Wow. And I had to start getting healthy. Wow. Yep. That is crazy. You know, man, and, and, and when I sit back and I, and I talk to all you guys, it's like the stuff that y'all go through yeah. are the resilience and the persistence mm -hmm. and everything y'all yeah. do to stay in the league or mm -hmm. get to the league is just mind-blowing. Yeah, it's a lot. You know, and it's and it's like you think about it. You think about your foot injury in the '80s. <laughs> okay, you'd still be limping today, oh, absolutely, just because of the technology. I mean, yep. but then you start making that adjustment and moving on over. Mm -hmm. So now you go in, you get drafted mm -hmm. by the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. So I got drafted by the Cowboys. That phone call was crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> again, going into the draft, I didn't know where I was going to fall. Okay. I couldn't run at the combine. I wasn't supposed to throw um, because I just got out of my second foot surgery. Um, but I, I, I was like, I'm throwing. So I threw. <laughs> um, all I could really do was bench press. And I was like, well, if I'm a bench press, I'm a bench press. I'm so a <laughs> um, I ended up getting one less rep than Brady Quinn. And Brady wow. Quinn had 
And it's the year we had a lot of talent coming out oh, there this yeah. year. Myself, Brady Quinn, John Beck, Trent Edwards, Jamarcus, Demarcus Russell. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody and their mama was coming out this year, right? Ted Ginn, Marshawn, everybody, everybody. We pretty much had two first rounds. Uh, it was a lot wow. of talent. Um, so you're trying to do anything you could to create degrees of separation. And I was literally at the combine handing out my seat, my DVDs, trying to help people remind them of who I used to be. Right. Because here we are now in, in February. Right. Don't nobody remember what you did in October. It's crazy. You right? know, no senior bowl, none of that stuff. So um, I had ran track in college to become the fastest quarterback, undoubtedly, in, the, in, in college football. I couldn't show that at the combine. Right. I, I would have ran a 4-3. I couldn't show that. Wow. Right. Um, so there was a lot of things that I worked towards that I couldn't put on display. Um, but so when I got to the draft, I was literally just like, man, whatever God you bless me with, I'll, I'll take it. Exactly. Right. Because I haven't played football in a very long time. Right. Um, and there was going into that, there were teams that wanted me at quarterback. There were teams that wanted me at receiver. Only receiver I had ever played was my freshman year, my redshirt freshman year in college where we had a Heisman candidate quarterback and they didn't want me just sitting on the bench. So I wouldn't help that at receiver just to, <laughs> just to help, right? You know, and they're like, we're not going to have talent sitting down, you know, right, go help. So I right. literally caught, I think like maybe eight balls in my, my redshirt freshman year and that was it. So that's the only wow. film I had ever had of playing receiver, yet there were teams that wanted me at receiver. Wow. So um, when I, I didn't know if I was going to go day one because back in the day at that time in 07, day one was one through three. Day two was four through seven. Okay. Now it's a three-day marathon. Yeah. So day one, I sit around, sit around, not really knowing if I'm going to get a call, don't know what position, don't know any of this stuff. Um, and I remember the last call, I mean, the last uh, pick at the day one, I was like, well, okay. So my family and I didn't, yeah, I'm on the day two. I went out, went to an arcade and chilled with the fam <laughs> and came back and passed out. And I remember waking up that or not even waking up, getting woken up that second day by phone, by my phone calls. And it was Miami Dolphins that were calling me. I think the, man, I don't think, I can't remember the Patriots called me. There's a couple of teams. There were teams that were hitting me up that morning. They woke me up. And I'm like, okay. So I go downstairs and I hear the doorbell. I'm like, dude, what is going on? And I go outside. <laughs> it raises madness, right? Um, and I go outside and there's literally boxes up above my head. And it was Reebok. Reebok has sent all these boxes of clothes and shoes. And I'm like, yo, I hadn't signed with nobody yet. So they're pitching me and I'm like, okay, cool. So I bring all that stuff in the house and sit down and we turn on the TV. And it was kind of crazy because not long before that, my grandfather had passed okay. and I had watched my grandfather pass in that house, right? So there was a lot of emotion still oh, wow. kind of tied to this whole thing right. that was going down, right? And his whole, his favorite team was Dallas Cowboys. Okay. So we're sitting there we turn the draft on and Literally, as soon as we turn it on, like maybe a couple minutes later, I get a phone call. And I don't know this number. So I had I had two lines at that time. I wanted to make sure that when nobody <laughs> gonna call the line that I needed to be answered. Exactly. So all the NFL execs and my agent, they had one number and everybody else had my personal line. So I answered the phone and it was it was Dallas Cowboys. And oh, wow. Dallas was this was at the top of the top of the fourth round. Right. So Dallas calls me and they're like, Yeah, you know, we're about to take you with this pick. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, yo, this is crazy. You know, like it's it's actually happening, um, and then Jerry gets on the phone, and <laughs> Double J gets on the phone, <laughs> and Double J like Isaiah, we're gonna we're gonna take you with this next pick. You know, we're gonna make you a Dallas Cowboy. You're gonna you, <laughs> you're gonna play receiver for us. And I was like, receiver. What? <laughs> Wait, what? And it's just like, uh, all right, you know, like, yeah, 
Wow. <laughs> so not only do I have slim to zero experience at this position, I'm coming off undoubtedly probably one of the worst foot injuries that you could sustain. Wow. And by the way, I'm going to do, you guys want me to play this at the highest level. Okay. Wow. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I just sit back and I can just imagine Jerry calling. <laughs> and I mean, because the boy is a fool. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, but that's why people love him. Yep. And I mean, I, I've asked everybody. Yeah. The teams you played for in the league, mm -hmm. playing for the Cowboys was like a separation. Yeah from all of the other teams, for sure. which is crazy. It is crazy. And I know my time in the league, I was spoiled, man. I was, And I, I look back on it now, and I recognize how blessed I was to have played for some really good organizations, right? right? And I think back often and say, what did they see in me that all the top organizations wanted me to be with them? You know, uh, Dallas Cowboys, then I, you know, sustained a bunch of injuries, left there, went to New England. Yep. Uh, when I went to New England, I literally got, got released last cuts of camp. Okay. And release last cuts, and that always falls on, a, was it Memorial Day weekend, holiday weekend, whatever it is. So you're sitting there waiting around. There's not much going on because of the holiday. And I remember sitting up there playing Call of Duty with my best friend at the crib. Right. Sitting there playing COD, and next thing you know, my phone rings, and I don't recognize the number. So okay. Like, whatever, so I answer it. And he's like, Isaiah? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, he's like, this is Bill Belichick. I'm like, uh oh. Oh, crap. Like, you know, it's like you literally go from playing video games to just, this is Bill Belichick. And I looked at my best friend, I'm like, yo. <laughs> you know, and he's like, wow. he, hey, can you still throw the ball? And I'm like, uh, yeah. He's like, well, we we're about to take you. We we're about to take you in the fourth at quarterback, but Dallas got you first. Oh, jeez. Yeah. What? So you go from Dallas Cowboys taking you at quarter, uh, taking you at receiver, having never, never really played it, to the quarterback university exactly. <laughs> in, in New England. So it's funny because there's teams that said that, you know, we don't think that you play quarterback. But then I get all the affirmation in the world with that okay. call right wow. there. So he calls me, tells me, you know, I need you I need you here tomorrow. I hop on a flight. I go there. Literally touch the ground. I go out there, throw the ball around. And that was that. So I ended up backing wow. up. I ended up backing up Tom Brady. Oh, nice. Um, and then helping out at receiver in practice because I got there on practice <laughs> squad. When I got there, I got there on practice squad. I had to prove myself because I hadn't done much with Dallas at the time. Uh, has sustained a bunch of injuries. Wow. Right? So they brought me in on a practice squad as a backup quarterback. Wow. They had two active quarterbacks on the roster, Tom Brady and um, Bill, um, sorry, Brian Hoyer at the time. Right. I was going to be the third quarterback. So practice squad players didn't travel. Practice squad players in New England, you just practice and that's it. Um, I was the only practice squad player at that time who was allowed to travel. I so wow. I was in the meetings with Tom Brady and and, and Bill O'Brien and all those guys at the quarterback room, and then I would have to go to special teams meetings, and then I would after helping out in practice, I was I was free. I had a lot of stress here in Dallas. Had a lot of injuries. I was finally like just you know it's all off my wow. shoulders. I was at I was making plays at receiver. Finally felt like a receiver is out there making plays, one handed grabs, all that kind of stuff. And coach was like, okay, <laughs> coach was like, I need you on the field. And I need you to learn this offense as soon as possible. So you're going to travel with us. You're going to do be clipboard. You're going to be the clipboard quarterback. Wow. And until you learn this offense, and then I need you on the field by week eight. Because their their playbook is, is silly. It's silly. Wow. 
So that's what the other quarterback does yeah. with the clipboard. Yeah, you're writing down all the calls. Okay. Yep, I, all the see, calls that come in. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. So you have a headset on as the offensive coordinator is calling it in. You write down what the play is. You write down what the down the distance is. You write down what happened on the play. And then you just, for every play that comes in, really? you're getting those mental reps. Right. Right? So you're getting those mental reps. You know what the play is so you can see it. You can watch it happen. You can see what reads happening, taking place. So it was it was great for my development, but I started doing well at receiver in practice. So now <laughs> I'm doing quarterback meetings, receiver meetings, and special teams meetings. So I'm wow. literally I'm all over the place while still trying to learn this playbook, right? So I'm trying to learn all these positions, trying to learn the playbook and learn all these positions, and it's just it was a lot going on. Wow! But I was healthy, and I was, it was cool, and I was learning how to be a professional because they were about their business out there. Um, and then I got to the point where I was a third-string quarterback. I was starting receiver with Wes Welker, right. Julian Edelman, Randy Moss, um, and then I was starting on special teams. <laughs> so. Hey, man, they say you make it to the top, you're in that 1%. Yeah. Okay, you was in that 1% times three, <laughs> yeah. if you think about yeah. it, because yeah. you're starting receiver, quarterback, yeah. and special teams. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a lot. Okay. It was a lot. Yeah, but you were it, it's it's that's what I love about it. Yeah. Everybody, when you get there, you talk to Charles Ali, mm. you talk to Mark Clayton, you MC. talk to Dimitri, you yep. talk to all these guys, and they all tell you, Chad, you talk to all these guys, and they all say the same thing. You gotta eat yep. and you have to feed your family. Correct. So Figure it out. You're going to do whatever it takes. Yep. You know, I used to tell the guys down in South, I used to tell them, FIO, hmm. figure it out. Yes, sir. You got to do something. I like it. You know, but but that's just crazy. Yeah. So so you was in New England. Mm -hmm. You played in Seattle. Yeah, so after New England, I had options to go to Green Bay, Atlanta, some other teams, uh, Miami. I ended up going to Seattle. It was my fourth year. Back um, home. Yep, I was going back nice. home. Um, I was like, I'm going, I'm taking advantage of that. So I went back home and everything was going awesome and was killing it. Uh, the coaches told me I was about to be named um, one of the three captains. I was going to be named a special teams captain. Wow. And I blew my Achilles out. Wow. Blew my Achilles out. Now, Pete Carroll. Yeah. <laughs> first, <laughs> so first day, of, first day of practice, I hadn't even seen Pete Carroll. It was, I was, my conversations were with John Snyder. Because okay. at the time when I was coming out, John Snyder was the GM at Green Bay. And okay. he was going to draft me at Green Bay at quarterback as well. Wow. So now, you know, fast forward, now my opportunity to go to Seattle, he's the GM. He brings me in as receiver because Coach Carroll's there. So in stretch lines, hadn't even seen Coach yet. Hadn't even seen him yet. But sign in uniform on a practice field, right? Hadn't seen the head coach. On a practice field, I'm stretching, <laughs> and I get a tap on my back. <laughs> and Coach Carroll walks around me. He says, I told you I was going to get you. <laughs> I literally, this is four years removed from college and, and nine years removed from when he was recruiting me. Wow. And he comes up to me, he's like, I told you I was going to get you. Okay, that is funny. <laughs> wow. Cause, cause it, and, you know, did, did that ever come back and cross your mind when you went to Seattle? Oh, yeah. About the USC mm -hmm. visit? Yep. Wow. Absolutely. All that. I, I didn't forget it. 
But this time you was like, "Hey, man, I'm I'm playing at home." Yep. So I'm at the crib. What it is. I'm wow. at the crib. Yep. And now, did your dad get to see you play mm-hmm. in Seattle? Yep. Mom, everybody. Yep. So everybody it was. It was. Yeah, good. yeah. The whole nice. family was there. It was awesome. I I stayed on the good side of town. Yeah. <laughs> I said if I ever had to come back to home, <laughs> I'm gonna stay where I can see the mountains and I can see the water. <laughs> I'm gonna stay home. You I'm gonna be bougie. <laughs> you said you went back to the good. Yeah, side I went to the good of side of town. Ain't nothing wrong. Ain't nothing with that, wrong with it. Ain't nothing nope. wrong. Lived with that. it. Up. I did a lot of things that I. That I did not have the opportunity to do growing up. Nice, right? nice. Being on the water, I've been going to watch the Blue Angels and Seafair my whole life, but I had never been on the water to do it. Wow. Right? Being in the city, lived in the city, but never had a chance. So when I went back home, Interesting. I got a boat, I was on the water, I was, I'm going to experience this. Nice. So it was, it was awesome to be back home, but it sucked that I got hurt. Um, but I, I had a lot of hurdles, man. I had a lot of injuries from my senior year of high school, senior year of college through... My fourth year in the league, I had a ton of injuries, okay. a ton. Blew my foot out in college. Right. That required two surgeries. My freshman year, my rookie year in the league, I tore my shoulder, my labrum. Had to play through that. Um, that sucked. Came back the next year, tore through right back through that same surgery. Came back from that, tore my knee. So that's five surgeries, right, in the span of, what, four, three years, right? So five surgeries, three years. Wow. And then I had a year with, in New England with no injuries, and then I had um, I tore my Achilles in Seattle, so that was six surgeries in a five year span. Wow! And uh, um, I had to overcome a lot mentally, physically, right. right, spiritually, a lot, a lot of things. So um, coming off of that that Achilles injury in Seattle, I still found a way to come back bigger, faster, stronger. Um, some politics stuff went down. Ended up getting out of Seattle. My my now wife and I we ended up getting pregnant. Okay. Right, okay. so wow. um, getting pregnant, and I was like, okay. Well, we got to make the trip from Seattle. We got to get back to where I actually have a house. <laughs> right, so we <laughs> left there. We drove down. I remember her being pregnant? Drove down to back down to Dallas and started getting back settled in. I'm like, okay, well, you know, career. I don't know really what's going on. I have a right. ton of injuries on my. I'm you know, I'm, I'm the injury prone guy now. Right, okay. you want to get that label. Yes, yes. So I remember being at the grocery store, and um, I don't remember what we were shopping for. It was a hol- one of the holidays were coming up, and I got a call. While we're in the store, and I literally just stopped him to my agent, and he he was calling me, he was talking to me, and my wife's looking at me, and she's like, "No," I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yes. I, "I gotta go, I gotta go." Wow. And it was it was the Giants calling, and the Giants called me to come out there and play. Wow! So went out there, and then that year we ended up winning the Super Bowl yeah. against New England, which was awesome. Uh, my wife was about to explode. I told her she couldn't come on a trip; she thought I was crazy. So she's like, uh, "You think I'm about to miss the Super Bowl? You gonna lost your mind?" She didn't miss it. <laughs> she didn't miss it. So. Uh, yeah, so we won a Super Bowl, um, had our daughter. Uh, fast forward, went to, the, to Jacksonville, played a third offensive position in Jacksonville at tight end for whatever reason they thought. That's when that Aaron Hernandez right, stuff was going down. Right, so right. Um, I was faster than and bigger than all the guys that were going to be guarding me. So they were like, oh, we're going to put you at tight end. So I did that whole deal for a year. And then after that, I, was, I just shut it down. I was, I was wow. done with it. I was, I was like, I'm, I'm ready for the fam now. And, and that's crazy how... Everything, you just, it's like from one day you're here and the next day you're having to fly across the country Mm -hmm. with just what you have time to pass to get in. Yep. And family is still there. Absolutely. And it's like, okay, wow. Mm -hmm. But it's got to be, I remember Javier, uh, Javier Collins. Mm -hmm. We were talking about it one day and and Javi said, because I asked him, I was like, he was like, you know, what did it feel like? He said, it's like when you get leave the league, 90% of the time, it's not on your own. Correct. And he said, it's like somebody's pulling a tablecloth mm. 
out from up under you yeah. with a table full of china. Yeah. And you just turn somebody's life upside down. Correct. And it's just like, wow. Yeah, it happens quick. But everybody strives to get to that 1%. Yeah, that's right. You know, and everybody's chasing the chapter of the drama. <laughs> right. And, and, and you don't know it until you get, get to it. it. Yep. You know, and now, so let's talk about life after football. Okay. You know, steadfast. Yeah. You know, been in the facility, love the facility. Appreciate it. And and it's like, so tell us about how steadfast came, came about. Yeah, for sure. So towards the after that Seattle Achilles tear, mm. right? That was my seventh surgery, right? Um, total in my life. I knew that I wasn't going to. That was my contract year. That was my big contract year. I was about to be the, the captain. I knew everything was going great, but as soon as that happened, I was like, "That's in my head." I'm like, "That's it." Like that in terms of getting the payday that you've always dreamt of, right? Right. That was it. I knew I could probably, I could still come back, I could still play, but I, I getting to that point again was going to be slim to none. So I was like, "Okay, you got to start figuring out Plan B." While I'm still trying to get back healthy, while I'm right. still trying to compete for jobs and all that stuff, I, I was in back of my head. I'm like, I have to start figuring out my transition plan. Right. So I, I started, uh, there's a program that the NFL was offering at the time and I went and took advantage of it and, and I started getting my MBA. Okay. I hate school, but I was like, <laughs> I hate school. But I knew, just like sports, I needed to create a degree of separation <clears throat> from competition. This was another area that I had to try to do that. So went back, started trying to get my MBA and, and through that program, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next and I had okay. no idea, zero wow. idea. Um, this program was awesome, but there's a lot of full NFL guys, WNBA. I remember Dominique Dawes was in my class. Like okay, there was a wow. lot of really cool people in there. But some of these people had already started in their particular fields that they were their post sports, sports, okay. post athletic careers. Okay. So myself and a couple other guys were just like we didn't know what the heck we wanted to do. <laughs> wow. And um, I remember talking to my wife. I'm like, I don't know. Like my mind was wrapped around her and. I mean, pregnancy, and there wasn't a lot of options for women at the time. Right. So it kind of started off with, I think I might do this fitness thing, and that way I can stay close to sports. Yeah. I was, the reason why I stopped playing football was because of the politics of sports. I was tired of it. So yeah. I was like, oh, I, can, I, can, I can stay close to sports without dealing with the politics. I don't have to be a coach. I like fitness. I want to help you. Like, it was all these different right. thoughts. And I was like, okay, well, maybe we can just create a gym. And so we started this conversation. It was actually started out as like a, a post, a pre and postnatal. A kind of kind of thought process. Okay, that was where my mind initially okay. went, and then it kind of broadened from there. And my wife actually came up with the name Steadfast, and she she's a believer as well. So she came up with that, showed me the verse, and I was wow. like, okay, I can, all right, I like that, right? Yeah. So connected it, and we started, and I was like, okay, well, my life is I've had to be steadfast through my yes. life, and every I think feel like everybody has to be steadfast through through whatever situations they face yes. in their life. So I was like, this applies to everybody. Um, then it just kind of kept growing from there as I started conceptualizing it. I was like, okay, I want a location that everybody feels welcome. Yep. I said, right now there's weight loss, you know, either your extreme weight loss or you're just a lady yeah. or you're a meathead or you're just performance, <laughs> right? There's just all these yep. different subcategories. And I'm like, there's no place that I know of that everybody feels like they can walk through the door. Right. Because you're not seeing an average Joe walk into a performance gym. It's just, they don't feel welcome there. It's like, yep. you, or everybody's going to turn and look at them like, what are you doing here? Same thing, you don't see, you know, uh, extreme weight loss client walking into what we consider to be one of the meathead gyms. It's just, yeah. that's not where you go, right? Um, <laughs> so I didn't want that for people. Okay. Um, so create a steadfast. I needed to find 
a business partner that was like minded. Okay. That that was that was God fearing. That you know that was a family guy. That it was just great character. So I ended up finding my business partner, and uh, his name was Jared Harrison. Yep. yep. And his actually I knew his dad. His dad was my handyman <laughs> for, oh, okay. at the nice. crib. So okay. when I first came here, I was making all these Home Depot trips, and his dad worked at Home Depot since birth. <laughs> so I met him, and he was just a hood cat that. I trusted, and he came over and you know did my electricity and stuff and all these other little handyman wow. jobs. And by getting cool with him, I ended up getting cool with the rest of his family. And his son was you know uh, a little bit younger than I was, so that's how I got paired up with him. Okay, and was just blessed to find somebody who was passionate about it already. Yeah, um, I met. I also followed up with him at the gym. I would go to LA Fitness and work out in the off season and just get my work in. I was okay. the guy that came in with a backpack and had my bands and my ladders and my cones. And yes. hey, can I practice on a racquetball court? Like, where are y'all not going to be so I can get my work in, you right. know? Okay. And he would see me and be like, yo, what are you doing? You know, and ended up inviting him to a workout and we became friends. And nice. when I turned, when I needed somebody, that's who I turned to okay. um, for a business partner. Okay. And then from there, uh, we, we opened up our first facility uh, that was 1,500 square feet. And that was actually during the time that I was still playing for Jacksonville. And oh, nice. Okay. Uh, so when I when I got cut from Jacksonville, that was a heck of a day because <laughs> I got out of practice, training camp practice. My, my phone, I got to my phone and my wife had been blowing my phone up. She wasn't my wife at the time, but she had been blowing my phone up. And I'm like, I, I have a rule. If you call me twice, it's an emergency. Right. If you call me back to back, it's an emergency. First time, I might be busy. I'll get back to you. If you call me back to back, this better be SOS. Right. Like, right. I, you need some help. Right. So I see that she had called me like six times. So I'm like, okay, something's wrong. I'm still in my pads. I go out the locker room and I call her and she's like, yo, um, um, we're, uh, we're pregnant. I'm like, okay. She's like, we're twins. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> Come again? <laughs> we, we, already had, we already had a one-year-old at the time. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, we had a one-year-old at the time. So she called me talking about we having twins. I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. Two hours later, I get fired. <laughs> so, so I, yeah, so that was that. So it was an easy decision for me at the time because in my, in my spirit, I was tired of the drama of sports politics. Right. It wasn't about football anymore. It was about who knows who, who's cool with what coach. It was you know, all that stuff was happening, right? And you, you, most people are like, "Oh, that doesn't happen at that level." I'm like, "Oh, it definitely happens at that level more so than anybody would ever believe." Um, it's a good old boy system a lot of times. And, and you know, it's it's funny because all of y'all, all the guys I talk to and uh -huh. and and are around, no one calls it the NFL. Hmm. Everybody calls it the league. Yep, and it's like. When you say league, everybody that's been a part of it or been around people that mm -hmm. have been a part of it know exactly what yep. you're talking about. Yep. And I've always thought that was strange because yeah. when you when you start out, I remember uh, another guy, Gordon, Gordon Brown. Okay. Okay, Gordon played when the league was a baby. Mm. So he was in that 72 season. Wow. Okay, he told me his first contract was 130000 for three years, $60,000 signing bonus. Mm. Mm. And you fast forward to now, yeah. but, but, but it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. He said the same thing about it yeah. then. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even call it yeah. the NFL. He yeah, calls the it league. the league. 
Yeah. And I was like, yep. okay, everybody calls it that. Correct. But then when you sit and you talk to people, it's like Jeff told, told me, Jeff Allen, he said, man, he said, you can be on IR. They pull you off of IR, let you practice they cut you. for one day and cut you. Absolutely. It's a dirty game. And I was like, what? There's a... There's a a documentary that I always tell people to go check out. And it's really, the league has done a lot of amazing things. Yep. But they also have their dirt, much like any other multi-billion dollar yep. business. Yep. Just keep it real. Yep. Um, documentary is called League of Denial. Okay. And I came, I don't remember how I first came across this documentary, but most people know would know about it through the movie Concussion right, okay. with Will Smith. Okay. So imagine the movie Concussion, but imagine that Concussion, that movie only touches on about one-tenth of what's really going on. Wow. So as much as people love that movie, go watch League of Denial. The day I was telling one of my clients that, about it, right? Because I, I give it, I, I shoot it straight. I keep it 100. I, I, don't, I don't milk anything. I don't gas anything up. I shoot you exactly what it is. Yes. So... <clears throat> The day that I was telling my client about this, I was like, go check it out. It's on Netflix. It was awesome. You know, you need you would really love it. If you really want to know like what's going on behind the veil in the NFL, it just gives you just a sneak peek. Right. It's not all bad, it's not all good, right? But it's, there's 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 one thing that's gonna you it'll expose expose your eyes right, out to you know right. have a different different point of view. The NFL ended up coming out one day and saying that <laughs> that there may be a link between concussions. And football. <clears throat> May. That day, they came out and said that it was taken off Netflix. Like that. It was off Netflix. But you know what? <laughs> and, and, and I believe that because think about this. When they were given, all the other owners were given uh, the commanders, Snyder. Everybody's given him just just blazing him up, right? And for this boy to come out and say, I got dirt on this person, everybody, this person, and this person. And I'm like, it's like that. And he's not afraid to say anything. No, he don't, he ain't got nothing to lose. He don't care. But then I heard you got magic and some other people trying to buy, trying to buy the commanders. And I'm like, are they actually going to push him out and make him sell? Just like, just just wow. Go go watch that documentary. Oh, 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 I am. <clears throat> but when people question if that stuff goes down in the league, I'm like, it's, again, any multi-billion dollar corporation, yes. I, I can almost guarantee there's some mess yes. going on. And if anybody ever questions that, yes. look at Robert, Cra Robert Kraft. Yes. There's 32 owners. Yep. 33, some of them are split owners. Robert Kraft, what happened with Robert Kraft? Robert Kraft was doing what? He was working with Meek Mill. He was working with all these cats on, on prison reform, yep. right? All this kind of stuff. He was doing too much in the eyes of some. Yep. Right? He wasn't yep. going along with what the rest of the owners would typically do. So what did they do? They reminded him. <laughs> yes, they did. They reminded him. What happened down there in Florida? Oh, massage therapist? Oh, yeah, you, you thought we didn't know about that. Oh yeah, we 
Don't put this out there a little bit. Just just enough for the media to bite on a little bit, mess your reputation up a little bit. And they did. And they did. And then what, what did Robert Kraft do? They pulled back. Oh, seriously. Which is which is crazy. <laughs> it, it it reminds me of Malcolm X move. <laughs> when they was in front of the hospital and, and the cops was like, Hey, you gotta do you gotta get rid of this. This is this is a mob. Mm-hmm. No, the guys mm-hmm. who I'm representing, you turn and you throw your finger like that, and old boy said, that's too much power for one man to yep. have. It, our Times 32. <clears throat> history history shows it. And it's, it's across the whole, it's across our whole government yes. and everything else. I mean, it's not a secret. It's just, it is what it is. People just don't like it because people are so passionate about football. Oh, yeah. So people choose to ignore it, but it's the real. It's what happens, right? So you dumb it down all the way to players. Yes. They don't give a dog on. Right, no. and you're finally seeing the players stand up for themselves, but it's yep. happening again, right? Yep. It's happening again, and people aren't perceiving it this way. But people need to open their eyes. What's happening with Lamar Jackson right now? Yep, it's happening again, and they did it to Colin Kaepernick. Yep, yep. They boxed him out. They're boxing out Lamar Jackson. You look at it, a first round tender, a first round tender. You say there's not one team in this league that would give up a first round pick for Lamar Jackson. He's getting boxed out. And this is 32 people coming together and saying, we're not going to allow you to have that power. Wow. And he represents himself. We're not going to allow you to have that power. Wow. We're going to te- we're going to show you, we're going to use you as an example so that anybody else who thinks about doing the same thing that you're doing will know what, what can happen to them. Wow. But you know what? You saw it with the NBA too, mm-hmm. with uh, my mood. Yeah, but the thing is, NBA, the power structure is different. Power structure is different in the NBA. Wow. Because the NBA, that, that's a real union. That union is powerful. Baseball, that union is powerful. NFL? Mm-mm. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Because NFL Most dangerous. out-earns more yeah, I know. than all of them. And they're going to try to keep it that way. Wow. <laughs> wow. See, I, I, you know, you learn something new yeah. every day. And and it, it just blows me away just talking to you guys yeah. how this is what we see, mm. but this is what really goes on. Oh, yeah. It almost goes back to to the tagline for the podcast. You see it, yeah, but you really don't Those. know the whole story. Yeah. It yeah. is what it is. For sure. You know, facts. Yep. But you know, it it's like it's like wow. And 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 now when you go over, I was reading something about WWE performance. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at that and I was like, okay. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah, that was random. Um, yeah, but you got to love it. That was fun. I'm a WWE fan. Huge fan. Look at what The Rock did. Oh, yeah. Huge fan. I mean, my kids, that's our Monday night activity. I we watch it. every Monday and Friday night. We're watching WWE. I love it. Um, I was blessed to know a couple guys from that from that workout, okay? okay, I got invited down to the performance center for a tryout, mm-hmm. and it was fun. It was absolutely awesome. I have a huge regard, high regard for everybody in that industry, not just the wrestlers, everybody in that industry, and how wow. they run their business because they value everybody in the company, okay. and it's absolutely awesome. Wow, um, I learned a lot about you know about operations and and organizational structure from every place I go, and nice. I have a high regard for how the WWE runs wow. their business. I'm hoping it doesn't change with them just selling. I hope that doesn't change, but right. um, 
historically that's why that's the way it's been. And that was my experience. And nice. so it was fun. Got down there. Physicals all get out, body hurt like right. never before. Um, they offered me a contract at the end of it, but I was, it wasn't enough money to, right. to move my family and I down there. But I was grateful for the experience. Right. Um, and yeah, I'm a lifelong fan for it. See, I love it, man. We used to sit back. We used to go and watch uh, uh, the wrestling uh down here uh, at the Sportatorium okay. with the Von Erics and gotcha. all that. And, mm-hmm. and we were the same way. Anytime yeah. there was a wrestling event somewhere <laughs> and the Von Erics were going to yep. be there, I'm yep. like, don't let Iceman show Absolutely. up. Absolutely. It's going to be off the chain. I think I'm, I had to double check. I think they're actually here either today or next Monday. Really? Yep. My son saw it. He was like, I'm like, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't have that connect no more, son. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So talk about T1D. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, type 1 diabetes. So we actually just wrapped up the uh, the annual gala, type 1 diabetes gala from, J- from JDRF, okay. Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Okay. My wife and I have, are huge participants and advocates for them. Um, they are literally moving the needle forward in terms of the type 1 diabetes space. Nice. Uh, my daughter, um, Nadia, she's 11 now. She got diagnosed at 3. Um, wow. It's on my wife's side of the family. My wife has lost her brother and her uncle to type 1. So wow. um, it's definitely embedded there. I was unknowing about it, really, uh, up until wow. the point that my daughter received it, her diagnosis. Um, and it's totally transformed and changed our lives. Um, actually, even today, I had to go get my daughter from school because yesterday she had a rough day with T1D. Wow. And it kind of carried over until today. She tried to go to school, still has bad migraines. It's a mess. So, wow. Um, but type 1 diabetes, I mean, it's different than type 2, uh, okay. as, as uh, hopefully everybody knows or is learning. Uh, type 1 is, is hereditary. It's, okay. it's, it's handed down genetically. Uh, there's nothing you could do. It's a ticking time bomb. Some people... It happens at birth. Some people, it happens like my daughter at three. Some people, wow. happens in the teenage years. My business partner, Jared, he got it diagnosed, I think, when he was 22, somewhere around there. Wow. So it happens at different points of your life. It's literally just a um, it's a switch that goes off, and your pancreas just stops producing. Um, so it happens at different times in people's lives, but when that happens, everything changes. Your whole world changes. And, um, you know, my our daughter, Nadia, she's an absolute beast with it. You know, thank God we're in a position to give her all the resources that she needs right. um, to assist in her management of it. Everywhere from her uh, continuous glucose monitor to her, her insulin pumps to being able to get her insulin, um, everything. It's, it's, a, it's a huge, huge uh, weight off our shoulders, but it right. still doesn't lift everything. And that's crazy because a lot of people, like my parents are diabetic. Gotcha. And it's probably type one. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but, and I see when I talk to my mom, she's like, hey, my sugar was elevated mm-hmm. today or whatever. And yeah. it's just like, it's crazy how it's hard for you to function or yeah. do anything. You can't do anything, yeah. Because of that. And and I don't think enough awareness is being brought to it. Just mm-hmm. like sickle cell and everything yeah, else, you not- know, everything that... I can tell you how there. fast things kind of change. So we're my daughter had a soccer game yesterday, and her blood sugars were actually relatively high. Okay, um, not not crazy high, but you know, sustainable. Okay, um, right during her soccer game. Sometimes depending on the weather, it might drop, it might go up. Right, hormones. She's eleven. All this, all right. kinds of things. Right. So we go home. We change clothes. We go go to the restaurant. Um, we we park in a parking lot, and I wanted to talk to her about her game. Right. And she had just taken a nap in the car. 
We get out the car. Her family's walking ahead. I kind of tell her, hey, step back with me. Let's talk for a second. And I'm talking to her, and you couldn't tell if she was kind of just like, yeah, yeah, whatever, dad, or if she was like out of it, right? Right. So she's like, come on, let's go. So I'm like, all right. So she grabs my hand. We're walking through the parking lot. By the time we get to the front door, my wife's like, come on. And my wife was able to tell even before me, and, I, and then it clicked. And my, she was she was starting to, to go out of it a little bit, right. right? Her blood sugar had dropped substantially. So it got to the point where I'm literally running back to the car to grab an apple juice to get her because her blood sugar had dropped so far that she's now not functioning. She's not communicating. Wow. She's not functioning. Um, she literally sits down and like she can literally go into DKA, right? So right. you know, just diabetic ketosis, which pretty much is like a, a like you lose consciousness. Right. Right? It's like pretty much like a coma. Wow. Um, so we had to get her up and get some some sugar in her, right? And that fast acting. Because different people don't understand that there's carbs are not all made equal. So you have to get some stuff in there that can get into her bloodstream and affect her blood, her Blood's insulin cool. levels. Wow. So um it's crazy, man. I mean, things can change. There's no relaxing. There is no relaxing. You're constantly watching your blood sugars, you're constantly making decisions based upon your blood sugars. You're right. constantly, you know, you can't leave and we, my wife and I can't go on trips like we want to, you know, right. because we have to make sure that she's good. Exactly. Um, people are like, oh, she's old enough. Yeah, but she has to sleep. And when she sleeps, she can't manage it herself. Exactly. So there's people understand that like, it's, it's literally a 24-7 deal. And organizations like JDRF are literally the reason why you're seeing the, these, these large... Um, these large companies, drug companies now start to change up how much insulin costs, right? Their JDRF is pushing forward that regime. They're going up to, actually, we're going in July to go to Congress in D.C. to nice. go talk to them and advocate for all the other supplies. Like, hey, we need to bring down these costs. It, which is crazy because it doesn't cost them that <laughs> Nothing, yeah, I know. You it's, know what I mean? It's disturbing. And, and, and it's like, I look at, I have to take Zarelto, mm -hmm. okay? Well, if I didn't have insurance, that Zarelto is like almost twelve, thirteen hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. Okay, but this is a medication that your life mm -hmm. depends on. Yeah, just like insulin. Yep, your life depends Absolutely. on it, and you don't make it accessible. You don't make it accessible to yeah. people. Yeah, you know, bad. which which blows me away. But don't get me on that soapbox. Oh, Because right, yeah, yeah. I go back and I look at my parents and I look at them winding up in a donut mm -hmm. hole and their medication in cover. It's mm -hmm. like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, but I have one thing for you. What you got? One word that describes Isaiah. I had to go back to the name of the company, man, Steadfast. I love it. Yep. I love it. Well, man, I didn't mean to take up too much no, of your you're time, good, but I thank you for coming in and uh, being on the show. And now I got to get Rombi and Justin. <laughs> Let's go. And, and yeah. I'm like, now I'm getting ready to text for that. Hey, yep. Isaiah was on the show. Where y'all at? <laughs> <laughs> Let him know. Let him know. But, but man, thanks again uh, for uh, coming on the show. Sure. We had Isaiah stand back on the show today. You see him. Now you know his story. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at You See Me Pod. Make sure you share with your family and friends. We'll see you next episode. And always remember, you see me, but you don't know my story.